Thank you, Father. We are continuing in our study of the Beatitudes, and we are on the third Beatitude, which is, Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom, or they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are meek. And I want to get into that, but I want to do it a little bit different of a way. And so I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Bless your name, Father. We discussed this, some of this in Sunday school this morning. We were talking about 1 Peter chapter 2. I think 1 Peter chapter 3 will be next week. Dennis will be back. Bless your name, Lord. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is meekness? It's one of those hard words because it has um, such a skewed definition uh, in modern world. And it's hard to understand when Jesus says we need to be meek and that it, it's blessed to be meek. Uh, there's sometimes we picture things that, uh, I don't know, as a guy, uh, meekness just doesn't, the, the, the modern definition doesn't appeal to me. But so we need to understand what Jesus meant by this word, this Greek word praus there, and so that we can get the, the correct definition of the word and not just a, a cultural understanding right now, modern cultural understanding of what the word meek means. We want the word praus and what it means. So we see this here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this to you. So put away all malice and all deceit. Malice is ill, thinking ill and, and doing ill toward others. And all deceit and hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, the word is like play acting. Putting on a face, putting on a pretend. You're a pretty good actor, hypocrisy is. And envy and all slander. So malice is doing ill toward others. Slander is talking ill about others or a situation. So put all these things away. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by, that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now these verses are, are kind of unique because um, Peter, a lot of times like Paul, they uh, give you information and then get you down to the root of where they're really heading. And so he tells you these things, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But if all you do is work out and you do these, do these things or you don't do these things, but you don't have the heart, the core of it, you're just religious and you're actually tripping yourself up. Because it gets down to the core of having a heart for Jesus. When you have tasted that the Lord is good, you are able to do these things. It begins with this taste that the Lord is good. Now, this word good here, I mean, what does that mean, taste that the Lord is good? You know, taste that the Lord is good. I think of, you know, a, a meal or um, one time I was in Cote d'Ivoire 
uh, the Ivory Coast, and I was sitting in the hotel, and they brought me cafe au lait, and it was a, uh, it had its own pot of steamed milk and a pot of freshly brewed coffee, and you got to mix them the way you wanted to, and that cup of coffee was good. It's probably my favorite cup of coffee in my memory. It probably wasn't as good as I think it was, but it was good, and it stuck in my memory, sitting there in those wicker chairs in that hotel drinking that coffee in Cote d'Ivoire. It says the Lord is good, but what does the word good actually mean? Because it loses its definition. This word good actually is the word kindness. Trust that you have tasted that the Lord is kind toward you. When you know that the Lord is kind toward you, it's a lot easier to be kind toward others. Because malice is not kind. Deceit is not kind. Hypocrisy is not kind. Envy is not kind. Slander is not kind. And it's easy to do those things and to treat others ungodly when we forget how kind the Lord has been to us. And when we remember the kindness of the Lord, it's so easy out of that heart to begin to go, you know what, I'm not going to be malicious. I'm not going to be deceitful, hypocritical, envious, or slanderous because that's not who I am in Christ. The kindness of the Lord. So this word meek, once you understand this, once you see the kindness of the Lord, you can get a better understanding of meekness. Meekness is taking on the yoke of the Lord and submitting yourself to him. Meekness is allowing the Lord to take care of the situation. Meekness is a submission of the will to the Lord. If I could rewrite this verse, I would say, blessed are those who trust Jesus' hand and submit themselves to his leadership. You'll see the world changed through Jesus around you. See, this word in the Greek for meekness, I've told many of you this before, it was how they trained war horses and they would take the war horse out and they would condition the horse so that it would do two things. One, it would know the hand that steadied it, its rider. It would know its voice and it would only respond to its command. It trusted the rider. And the second thing is that it would not react to what is going around it. It would not be scared, it would not run away, it would not bolt, it would not lose control, it would not try to find its own path, it would respond to the rider and not react to the bombs, the swords, the clanking, the spears, the arrows, anything that was around it. It ignored it and solely listened to the voice of the rider. This is this word meekness. So imagine this humongous horse, I mean this is a powerful animal. This is not a prancing, you know, this is a, a war horse. All of that muscle, all of that strength, all of that will submitted and entrusted to the power of the guy with holding the reins, 
Now, as you learn the kindness of the Lord, that submission is, gets easier and easier. If you think the Lord is mean, if you think the Lord is controlling, if you think the Lord is unfair, if you think the Lord is uh, bad, then having that guy on your back is what you want to get off. You become a bucking bronco and you spend your time trying to buck him off your back because you don't trust him. But the Lord desires us. He says, blessed are those who walk in meekness because they will inherit the earth. You will see the ability of the Lord to actually affect your life and the lives of those around you. You will no longer be a part of the problem. You'll be a part of the solution. Because the kindness of the Lord will change those around you. Now, this is really, really practical, guys. You know, like uh, we were talking in Sunday school class, and I think it was Scott who gave the example of driving. I think driving is a, is a great example because you can easily walk in uh, malice, uh, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander when you're driving. <laughs> and it's a very practical, simple way of are you a meeked driver or are you just a fleshy with your bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus? Where people go, wow, is that a Christian? You know, please make sure you don't have any stickers on, bumper stickers on your car if you're going to drive fleshly. Meeked, though, is in the situation going, okay, Lord, Scott brought this up this morning, exactly. Okay, Lord, I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to bless him. I read this week that, um, I, I liked how this guy put it in my study. I think it was Matthew Henry, but it might have been, uh, uh, I can't think what his name is right now, sorry. But he said, Moses spent 40 years thinking that he was somebody. And then he went 40 years realizing he was nobody. And then he spent 40 years submitting the nobody and allowing God to be who he was through him. That is meeked. When you think you're somebody, generally you're not meeked. Because I need to prance and show that I'm this strong horse and everybody needs to relate to who I am and my power and my prestige and all of that. And so the Lord takes you to this process where you realize, you know, you are just flesh and blood. And then you submit to the Lord and you're like, Jesus, come in and be my Lord. Really be my Lord today in this area. I submit this area to you. And that's a little bit painful. But when it happens, you're freed up and you're able to be strong and be who you are, how God created you to be under his control and it's safe. Satan, of course, works to distract us and to disqualify us. And by disqualifying, I mean he tells you you're disqualified and he gets you to agree with it. He can't actually disqualify you. He doesn't have the power or the authority to because you are a child of the king. 
He can get you to believe you're disqualified, and so you disqualify yourself because you stop being who you're called to be. So he either tries to get you distracted so you're not paying attention, and it just delays the process that the Lord has you in, or he gets you to thinking you're disqualified so you stop listening. I don't want to listen to you, Lord. I can't listen to you. I'm not worthy to listen to you anymore. Both of those are lies. But that's how he tries to keep you from being meeked. See, meekness is so important if we really want to see revival. Because the first beatitude, blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit, is how we relate to Jesus. You know, I see Jesus, I see that I need a savior. The second one is how we relate to ourselves. Blessed are those who mourn. I've got to deal with who I really am and receive his forgiveness. And the third one is how we relate to what we're called to, our identity, who we are. Blessed are the meeked. He calls us into this so that we can actually walk in freedom. You know, when we're not meeked, there's a lot of bondage there. Things like uh, pride, harshness, anger, frustration, vengeance, ungodly ambition. These are all things that bind us up. They hurt us and they hurt those around us. But meekness brings us into that conditioning with the Lord's beautiful hand upon us that leads us into humility. And when you're humble, you are free. When you're humble, you're free. I don't have to worry about what you think of me. I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I'm not trying to put on airs. When you're humble, you're gentle instead of harsh. You meet people where they are when you're meeked. You meet people where they are and you lead them from where they are to where they need to be. It's a gentle hand that leads. Remember, gentle comes out of strength, not out of weakness. And you're strong in Christ. And so you relate to others gently. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Even when things are done wrong toward you, you relate back to them in gentleness. That is meeked. You're patient instead of angry and frustrated. Meeked reveals patience. Meeked reveals forgiveness instead of vengeance. All of these things, again, they set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. My three favorite freedom verses. And they all lead to being meeked because you are free and you set others free. You expand the kingdom. Man, God moves and the real Jesus is seen, not the, the Jesus that's on the wall somewhere, this picture or some false, falsehood or some religiosity or smoking incense and all of that stuff and all it is is just smoking mirrors. 
It's the true Jesus who went around being humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, and contented. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, this kind of sucks because I feel like I'm not meeked. Let me assure you, being meeked is a lifelong process. And the Lord loves you exactly where you are because to you, he is gentle, patient, forgiving. He's these things to work. He models it to you. That's how you taste and see that the Lord is good, kind. Because even how you are right now, oh, he so deeply loves you. That healing that he gave out this morning is a gift. It's a charisma. You know, there's a difference between uh, grace and charisma. The words are similar. One is charis and one is charisma. Very similar words in the Greek. One is requires, grace requires faith. You receive grace through faith. And a charisma is a gift of God, a, a, a gift of grace that doesn't require faith. It's just a gift. That's why you have charismas of healings. It's where, bam, it just happens. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. I remember one time praying for a young guy, Ilya. And man, I could just feel the presence of the Lord. It was just such a strong anointing of healing. And I laid hands on him. Well, he had said, my knee hurts. And I laid hands on him. And instantly, his knee, he was like, just the look on his face, you know. And he's moving his knee. And he's like, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And I was in such a place of just knowing the Lord. I'm not always there. But knowing the Lord at this point that I was like, well, what'd you expect? I wish I was there all the time. You know, I'm not. But in that moment, I was very much, absolutely. That's a charisma. Well, the Lord loves you so much as you are right now that he was passing out charismas this morning. Nothing that you had to earn. Nothing that you have to faith for. Nothing that you have to fight for. It's just a gift. It's yours. Well, I don't know if I agree with that, Matt. I don't know if I can receive that because I'm not worthy. I haven't done enough. I, I don't know if Jesus works that way. He does. Read the Gospels and then realize how many were following him at the beginning of Acts. How many did he go around and heal that never followed him? And why did he do that? Because he loves you. Maybe they followed him later on. I don't know. That's not my point. My point is he's willing to just meet you where you are with kindness and love you. How much more is he willing to meet you where you are with kindness and lead you closer to him? He's in the process of making you. So if you find yourself not as meeked as you need to, you know, we talked about the monkey bars in previous sermons. Go back to the first one where you humble yourself and you say, okay, Lord, I see that you're farther along than I am. Would you forgive me? And you deal. Okay, Lord, in the midst of driving, I do see I am not meeked. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I chewed out that driver. They couldn't hear me anyway. I'm sorry that I cursed, you know, cursed the person instead of blessed. And you deal with it, and then you grow. See, meekness is about submission. It's about trusting the Lord. Meekness is about trusting the hand of the writer. 
Now, if you've been abused in any way, which I think about, I don't know, 99% of us have in some way or another, gone through some type of trauma, some type of abuse, some type of a relationship where the person was manipulative, controlling, um, abusive in some way. So it's harder for us just to, uh, it's harder for us just to jump into a full trust of the Lord. But the Lord's willing to take the time to win your heart so that you trust him because he loves you. And when he calls us, he calls us into submission. This isn't so that you'll be controlled. This is to liberate you. Because true submission liberates. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I trust he's going to take care of me. I'll give you an example, which I think I've told you guys this before. But So I used to be under this fear of uh, someone not taking care of me. So I, I grew up kind of having to fend for myself and take care of myself. And so when I went to the mission field, I was very controlling. And Joe remembers when we used to go to the airports. And I had to make sure everything, I, I was a little freaked out, a little paranoid. We're going to miss our flight. I got to make sure everything, I'm just hard to live with because I was so stressed out to make sure everything was in place. And the Lord began to lovingly deal with that on me, with me by allowing me to miss transportation on a regular basis. <laughs> no matter how much I tried to control the situation, it failed. And he would say, do you trust me? And I would say, yes, but I want to make sure this is still going to take place. You know? <laughs> and through a period of time, through situations, I began to go, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I've seen your goodness. I've seen how you miraculously provided. I think I've told you the one time I was on the subway in Moscow, and we, it's the big circle subway, and it's way down in the earth. I mean, like, it's a nuclear shelter. This thing is so low. You go down this super big escalator. We're way down in there, and the bus leaves at 10, 8, 10 p.m., and I was trying to get around to be able to head up to go to the bus station to get on the bus to go home from Moscow. It's 10 o'clock at night. You don't want to be in Moscow overnight, especially with not a hotel. And the subway stops. Hmm. Lights go out. Pitch black. You know, there's no text communication. Hey, we're having an issue. There's just nothing, you know. And you're like, is this going to be hours? Is this going to be minutes? I'm watching the clock, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, you know the bus leaves at 10. I got it. You got to do something, you know. Are you going to take care of me? And it gets closer and closer and closer, and finally, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes, came back on, and we got to move in, but it had hit 10 o'clock. By the time I get to the uh, bus station, it's probably 10, 15, long past. The bus is gone. And I, as I'm walking up, you know, there's the anxiousness of, can I really trust that he's going to take care of me, that he really sees me, that he cares? Can I really trust him in this situation? You know, what am I going to do? And I'm, I'm like praying, you know, the faith and stuff. Okay, Lord, uh, you, you've got a different way. You, you, you know, I'm going to... And I get up there and I see a bus sitting in the aisle. I thought, okay, is that my bus that's miraculously still there or is it a different bus? Because they had certain stalls. And I get up there and sure enough, it's the Ivanova bus. And I come on and I say, hey, is this the 10 o'clock bus? He said, yeah, we've had an engine trouble, but we're working on it. We should be done here in a second. I get on the bus. Engine gets fixed, starts. He pulls out. 
And I realize, you know, I can either go stressed in life and be constantly worrying about whether or not the writer is able to fix things, or I can relax and give him control. And so it was over a period of time of about two years, I released pretty much. And it's, okay, are you, are, do, you, do you see me? Do you take care of me? Yes. I had the same thing in finances. It was over a several-year time where I realized, okay, he's got me. He is my boss. I'm not paid by my job. I'm paid by him. And it was tested in December of 08 when I was let go on December 5th. You ever been let go right before Christmas? I, we had three. Two, three kids, three kids, and I was like, wow, Lord, you know, are you able to take care of me? And he reminded me, Matt, I pay you, not that job. And I was like, okay, Lord, I am standing on this, that you weren't surprised by this, that you have a way. And he did. He opened up. It was a, he led me to start my own business, and he brought the financing in and brought several different part-time jobs where people came up and said, hey, I need somebody to help with accounting. It's a part-time job, but would you help? And I was like, I'm not an accountant. And they said, but you're good, aren't you? And I said, okay, yeah, I can do accounting. And everything was taken care of. And I grew as a man in understanding that the Lord is faithful. And so I became stronger in the freedom of trusting him. That is what meekness is. Meekness is learning to trust the Father. So how are you meeked? How do you walk this out? Let me give you three quick ways, and then we'll take our offerings and stuff like that. Number one is we're meeked through God's word by learning to trust. James 1, 21. James 1.21. James is one of those books that's just hard to find. I know it's right before Hebrews. No, it's not. Is it right after Hebrews? Where's my uh, fire students? James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So to me, wickedness was me worrying about getting on the plane or whether or not the bus would there. In actuality, that's an idol, and I'm, it's wicked of me because I'm not trusting the Lord. I'm trying to hold on. And so it's an idol that I'm worshiping that isn't doing me anything good. And so the Lord says, trust me. I read that in the word. Trust me, I see you. I'm able to take care of you. And I go, okay, Lord. Your word says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you never leave me for nor forsake me. So if I miss the bus, you're still with me. If I lose my job, you're still with me. If something happens that I didn't expect, you're still with me. And if you're still with me, then you know something that I don't know, and I can trust you. 
So the word challenges me to move away from the anxiousness, the stressed out, the control that I tried to do, and to trust the Lord. That's why James here says, Amen. I agree, Stephen. Exactly. That's why James here says, Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive it and submit to it. Yes, Lord, I receive this word that you see me, that you never leave me nor forsake me, that I am loved of the beloved. I receive these things about my identity. I receive them and I reject these other ways. I choose to learn to walk in the meekness of this word. The second one is submitting to God's will. This is where the rubber hits the road. I, I don't think it happens. I guess as a new believer, it might happen a lot, but as an older believer, it's just more higher points, like where he goes, okay, are you going to let go of this? And you're like, oh, Lord, what if? You know, like Jesus said in the garden, is there any other way? And if not, then my will, not yours. It was a submission of the will. Lord, I submit to your will. I choose, even though I have no understanding of how or what this need's going to met or, 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 or how you're going to do it, I'm going to give this up to you and trust your hand. And those are extremely liberating situations. They're very difficult and painful as you're heading into them. But walking out of the garden after you have done it and laid it down, oh man, it's like, whew, bless Jesus. I can remember one time as a young man, I was poor, okay? <clears throat> I made probably 11000 a year as a missionary. I was not rich. And before I was married, I had, uh, I had always, you know, I, I'm number six of seven kids, so it's not like money just poured out. I mean, it was kind of like we played this game one winter when the furnace quit. Uh, we played this game where we all lived in one room sealed with a little heater in there, kerosene heater, and that was the game we played, and I thought it was great as a kid, only realizing later it was because Dad didn't have money to fix the furnace, you know. Anyway, so when I first got, I mean, missionary was like my first job. So I was like, okay, Lord, I want a boombox. I've never had anything nice like this that was mine. And so I went out and spent $300 on a uh, really nice boombox. You know, like one of those big ones. You know, this, you know, I'm an 80s kid, so I mean, like, this is like 1992. And I bought this really nice boombox. And man, it was great. I loved it. I loved it. And I hated every time my roommate touched it. And I realized this stuff was coming out of my heart. And I realized that boombox owned me. I didn't own it. And I was like, I don't really like this, Lord, but I really like this boombox. And I was at a good friend's house, and he was a new believer, and I was the youth pastor, and he had just gotten saved, and his house had just been robbed, and his little Sonny, not Sony, but Sonny uh, stereo had been stolen. And, uh, you know, if you've lived overseas, you'll understand this stuff. Uh, just a total cheap, 
Chinese-made knockoff. I mean, just had been stolen in his apartment. He had literally nothing. He lived in like 100 square foot with his mom. He slept on the floor. She slept on the couch that turned into a bed. I mean, this is what, the way that he lived. And, he had, and, and I'm over at his house celebrating his birthday, and he's telling me this story. And I realize the Lord says to me, I want you to give your boombox to him. And I said, I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, because you've got to test it, you know. But it was clearly the Lord. And I did not talk to the Lord for three days. <laughs> Literally. I, I was so mad because this, is, this was mine. I deserved it. It's the first thing I had. It was my money. You know, all the mys, 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 mys. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm sitting there. I'm so mad at the Lord. And the Lord says to me, are you willing to be willing? And I say, yeah, Lord. I guess I'm willing to be willing because I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be willing. And that saved my skin. He said, okay. And suddenly my heart shifted and I with like a I can't pronounce, I mean, just the joy. I was so excited. I went directly across the room, unplugged that thing, wrapped it up, took it over to his house and gave it to him for his birthday, and it, which totally blessed his socks off. We're still super, super good friends. But from that day forward, things don't own me. And there was a cost involved because I had to be willing to give up and lay down to the Lord, submit to his will for my life. But his goodwill is not to be owned by stuff because, the man, that's a bondage that just controls you forever. Be willing to be able to give. Freely give. Freely bless. Nothing I own actually is owned. It's all stuff that I'm using at the present moment. And if the Lord says, I need you to, then, okay, Lord. Uh, it'll scare me, but I, you know, especially if it's my little blue car. I, it'll scare me, but I will trust you, Lord. Please don't check me on that. Bless you, Lord. The last thing, so there's God's word submitting to, trusting, being meeked, uh, submitting to God's will, which meeks us. And the last one is submitting to God's people, which meeks us. Now, that one can be painful because we're like instantly, oh, I don't know if I want to submit to it. I've been hurt or I've, I had to deal with so-and-so or you don't know, you know. But Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So even in the midst of some of the difficulty we've walked through, still it's what the Lord says is good. This is, goes back to submitting to his word. And it's like, okay, Lord, help me to understand and to be meeked to trust. The biggest piece of this, I think, is to remain teachable. I don't have it all figured out. And when people talk to you, look for the 10% of truth or the nugget of truth. Maybe it could be more. It could be like 80%. But look for the nugget, whatever it is, of what they're saying that is true and allow it to change you. The other part of the accusation you can throw away, but do look for that nugget. Be teachable. Get around and have people that you can go, okay, I need you to really tell me. What am, what am I seeing wrong here? You need those type of people in your lives. 
And there are people in the body of Christ that are willing to do that with you. It'll shoot you forward. Because when we isolate, all we end up doing is we build this prison for ourselves in the midst of our lack of meekness. And we're stuck there. And we have to go back to number one. Lord, I humble myself. I need you. Yes, Lord, I see how my decisions hurt myself and you. I'm sorry. Okay, Lord, I will trust those that you've placed around me. That's the way we move on to number four, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then all the blessings of five, six, and seven. They come from being meeked. So I ask you this morning, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there, might as well. Do you feel like you need to be meeked? Do you feel the heart of the Lord calling you to trust him? If you do, why don't you stand with me and let me pray over you this morning. If you're not there, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to stand up to uh, make some point. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are good. You declared it in your word, Lord. I see it on your hands. You are so kind, Father. You actually said in Matthew 11 that to take your yoke upon you, Father, your meekness upon you, because you are kind. Those words are there, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. So, Father, we choose this morning to take that yoke, your yoke of meekness upon us to experience your kindness and your love, Lord, to walk in the freedom that you have for us as your sons and daughters, not halflings, not stepkids, full-blooded sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, for that. Our identity is in you, Jesus. We receive from you this morning let us see the goodness of your hand that is directing us. Let us see the lies of the enemy that tried to distract or tried to get us to think we're disqualified. Jesus, let us see your hand and only hear your voice. Meek us, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.